Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Happy Podcast Monday. I'm a little out of practice here. It's been a couple of weeks. I don't know how that happened exactly. I think it was because we've had some snow here in Kentucky, which makes life a little bit harder, a little bit slower, but I suppose that's all good. And yeah, just didn't get to the office to do a podcast and time just kind of flew by. Many of you know that Margot and her family are visiting right now, and maybe that's been another reason. I want to get her over here to my office at some point to record something. I don't know what. I don't know what it will be, but too good of an opportunity to have her here at my house uh, to not record something. So stay posted for that. Maybe it'll be a podcast or something else kind of fun. Wow. Well, it's not only been a while, but I haven't done any kind of personal updates in quite some time for whatever reason. And so I thought I'd just blab a little today sharing whatever comes out as I usually do. And then I might have kind of sort of a topic of sorts, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what comes out here as I munch on some chocolate coffee beans Mm, and some pineapple kombucha. Pineapple is one of my favorite flavors. Hmm. So winter in Kentucky is an experience. We've been told that the winter we're experiencing right now is more wintry than normal. So I'm very glad to hear that because I'm not thrilled by all the snow. I find it to be stressful. And we have a good friend that came by the other day and he said something like, Snow really forces you to slow down. (laughs) And I thought maybe that's the problem. I'm not really somebody that likes to be slowed down. I am easily frustrated. That's the honest truth. So when I can't do my normal stuff, I can't get out of the house. I can't take the car down the driveway. I feel annoyed and that's really bratty, but that's the truth. And so I'm trying to work on that and really just enjoy Like there's no reason to not enjoy it and to not enjoy the differences that it brings in life. And that really goes for all weather, I think. But we were better at doing that in Arizona because we had been there for so long. So really, it wasn't that much different. I mean, it was a different flavor, of course, but similar theme during the summer in Arizona. It's just so freaking hot. Like, I will not miss that. But of course, right now, that seems very far away. But the intense heat. And yes, you can take the car out. But oh my God, it's so hot. And you burn yourself. And you can't go out for walks in the middle of the day. And dogs burn their feet. And children burn their feet. So nowhere is perfect. And the weather 
is a real thing on how it influences our pace of life and what we're what we feel we're able to do because of course you probably can do a lot more even in snow than you think but you feel this boundary you feel this obstacle so that's kind of been what's been happening here uh, yes it's beautiful the snow i mean the kids have really enjoyed sledding we have a really nice hill in front and some really fun neighbors but alas, I won't be sad either when it passes, especially being on call is very stressful for me when there is inclement weather. I haven't really learned my way around that in Arizona because heat is certainly not something that prevents you from driving to a berth, <laughs> whereas snow kind of is or can be. Uh, that didn't happen. So we haven't had that happen here. But I was thinking maybe in future winters here that maybe I won't attend births that are far away just to kind of reduce the stressfulness around that whole thing. So that's kind of boring, kind of a boring weather update, right? What do we talk about uh, when we don't know what to talk about is the weather. So there you have it, a weather update. But really awesome things brewing here. I feel spring on the horizon even though it's still January. And my guess is, yes, we have some more winter left, but just that energy, that shifting energy, probably for most of you, uh, you know, seeing the sun set a little bit later and seeing it rise a little bit earlier is really exciting. And just that energy of change and fertility in the land and in the ideas and the creativity. So I'm enjoying that and just kind of thinking of all the things I want to do. And having Margo here has made it so that we can do some of those fun projects right now, as well as some things we have coming up this week. So we'll be meeting with some prospective Indie Birth Midwifery School students here in the Kentucky area. I think people are coming from all over, really, Tennessee and I don't know, Indiana, Ohio, maybe. So surrounding states to learn about the school and to figure out how that could look for them, along with all the apprenticeship discussions, which I don't know how that'll pan out just for me personally. Um, I don't have an apprentice here yet, and I don't know that I will. And I don't know that I want one on some days. <laughs> uh, but having help, of course, is appreciated always. And not sure how that will look for any students and this idea of our birth retreat center. So I'm not going to blab on about that. I've talked about it before, but always just mentioning it again in case there's somebody out there that's like, hey, I know just the way for that to work. I think we are looking for land slash property here in Kentucky. I think the demand will be amazing. I think there are so many women in this state and surrounding states and from who knows where that would definitely come and birth with us and our students. Uh, so it's just a matter of timing, not even just time, it's timing and seeing how this plays out. It doesn't have to be a million dollar operation. Uh, that's not, you know, kind of the budget that this place probably even holds um, as compared to Arizona. So back there, when I thought, well, maybe this birth retreat center will be there, uh, the real estate is just so insane. So a million dollars, two million, even 14 million wouldn't have been crazy to f have for a birth retreat center. But that's not the case here. We're really looking at a pretty minimal amount of money to get it started. 
And I think we'll figure that out. But again, always open to ideas or people that want to invest. Uh, We've had a few kind of come forward over the years and express interest in being part of some kind of investment. And, you know, that's obviously a conversation we can have if anybody out there is interested. Or as I like to say, maybe just has a rich uncle, right? And it's not even that much money. But if there's somebody out there that's like, hey, uh, you know, I have whatever, a couple hundred thousand dollars for a birth center. Uh, And I don't mind parting with it because I think that's a really awesome mission. But let me know because I think that will totally happen for us at some point. So um, having Margot here hopefully takes us one step closer to that. And I'm not sure how (laughs) exactly, but that's what I'm thinking. Let's see. On the podcast front, I haven't recorded my own in a while, as I said. Nathan and I have a couple out there that are a few weeks old. You can check those out. We actually need to record more as well. So let's see, Uh, get a hold of him and try to put out some more episodes. But I was on a very well-known podcast last week, and that uh, episode is now available, which you can probably just Google and find, I think probably even on YouTube, which is the Crow 777 podcast. So it's C-R-R-O-W-777. So there are two R's in Crow, Crow 777. And truthfully, I didn't know a whole lot about the podcast before I was on it. And I kind of like it that way. You know, I don't like to know too much in a way about things. Um, But my husband knew about it and was like, oh, well, wow, that's cool. And I thought, oh, okay. And yeah, it was super cool, super cool guys, uh, Crow and Jason run the podcast. I think it's pretty well known in the more radical parts of the world and kind of anti-government, all that cool stuff that we are very much into, but I'm not really a podcast listener. So that's why I didn't know about it. But I was super honored to be invited on the show and to talk for an hour plus about basics, really. And maybe this will lead into me actually talking about birth today. But the podcast with Crow was just about this home birth option. So I found that so fascinating. For the most part, my sense is that their listeners are, like I said, um, you know, not mainstream. And that's always really enlightening when people that don't consider themselves part of the mainstream in every way still don't know about home birth. They still don't know about midwifery. Uh, So for any of you out there, if you do indeed listen to it, you'll hear what I mean. It's not going to be anything you haven't heard before. In fact, it's probably worth sharing if you have people in your life that are very new to these ideas, but yet have kind of that radical edge, right? So um, right now in the world, especially with all this nonsense going on, we kind of know where people stand or, or we think we do, right? And all of the people that feel the same way about all the same stuff right now are those people, but they might not know about home birth, which again, so surprising. So I got the chance to just blab about the differences in midwives and how someone would go about maybe finding one or looking into this idea, which again, is so basic. And I don't mean that in a mean way, like it's been a long time for me to have talked about 
just the nuts and bolts <laughs> of what we do here at any birth and kind of the belief system that many of us hold. Um, it's just so basic. So it was fun. It was fun to do something basic. It took us a couple weeks to schedule and reschedule and all of that. So I trusted in the perfect timing. Uh, timing being what it is. And it was just really fun. And I think will attract a decent amount of attention just because their podcast does not much to do with me really, but hopefully is helpful to people out there and brings a lot more people into the indie birth community, which of course, we would be super psyched about uh, for all the reasons. And maybe that kind of leads into some of the things I thought I would talk about here today. So that the podcast uh, with Crow and just that being kind of basic and then just some other things as usual kind of coinciding for me to feel like I have a topic at all, just random interactions. So I have this awesome life of talking with people about birth so often, virtual prenatals, uh, even just kind of in passing with maybe other doulas or people that want to be midwives or potential clients. So I'm not like pinpointing anybody in particular for what I'm about to say. Uh, But just saying that in the last week or two, there's been a couple ways this has come up. And I guess the phrase that kept popping into my mind that I wanted to share that maybe I will title this podcast um, is the bar is so low. The bar is so low for women and their pregnancy care and experiences. Backing up, I think the bar is so low in general for people, never mind birth, never mind women, like the bar for thriving, the bar for happiness, the bar for health, it's all really low. So I don't want to blabber on and on about all of the ways I think that's probably true. Uh, I'm sure many of you agree or, you know, have your own examples. Um, Certainly to just give the real life example, doesn't have to do with birth necessarily, is just this whole like still ridiculous, you know, virus vaccine bunch of nonsense. Um, You know, without even saying too much more about that, the bar for health is so low. Like we have gotten to a point in history where people are so removed from what health means. And even that word, it's like health. What does health mean? Like, is that a gym? Is that a club? Like, is that a supplement? Um, People don't even know what they're talking about. And so it might be those things like a gym is part of health in some cases, um, you know, but a supplement, I would argue, doesn't make a person healthy, right? It isn't one thing. It's an entire lifestyle. And what I think is healthy for me might be different from what you think is healthy for you. So to live in a thriving physical state would be my, you know, just off the cuff definition of health. But the bar is so low. People don't know how to thrive or what thriving even is or could be. So most people or just living in kind of a depressed state, not just their health, but the way they are in their lives, you know, working jobs they hate and just everything kind of 
being auto generated, right? It's not like joyful participation in life, but just this low bar that if you're just breathing, uh, oh, and I guess if you're wearing a mask, you're not breathing, but you know what I mean? Just the bar is so low that being alive is simply being here and taking in oxygen. Like that's enough for some people to consider that to be life. And of course, I don't think that's true at all. I think the bar is as high as we want it to be and that we really, and I think this is important with birth, we decide where we want the bar to be. We decide how far we're willing to go and what our ideal visions are. And that alone is a huge topic because I think most people uh, in birth as well, they aren't even aware there is a bar. So I guess I should have started with that. Before a bar could be low, there would have to be a bar. There would have to be a standard. And in so many areas of life, Hannah, go away. Hannah can't tolerate me talking to no one, apparently. She thinks I'm talking to her. Uh, yeah, there has to be a standard is my point. So in birth, the standard, I guess, in many ways has been set. And this is the depressing picture. This is the low vibration you know, don't want to spend too much time uh, feeling this one or visualizing this one, but just to get everyone on the same page, the standard for pregnancy care for birth is really shitty in this country and, of course, in many places around the world. But mostly the more industrialized birth, I think, being worse in a lot of ways. Um, yes, there are problems in countries uh, where they don't have medical care, for sure. Like birth has a whole different look. But the standard isn't based on anything but what's available, perhaps, right, in that culture or in that country. So um, in industrialized places like this, the standard has been very intentionally set to be low. And, you know, conspiracy theory, but not here. Uh, my feeling is that it is so because women's power is just too strong. It is. We are too strong. We are too powerful. And if women ran the world, we would live in a completely different environment. So the standard for pregnancy and birth care is such that all power is removed from the woman. And I'm not going to go as far as to say that it is taken uh, I think that's possible and it definitely does happen. But I think as a woman myself, I want to take a little bit more responsibility than that for all of us and say, in many cases, we've given it. So the standard is what it is, but we've kind of agreed to it. And whether that's conscious or unconscious, and of course, mostly unconscious, uh, the cultural conditioning is such that we have accepted that women aren't powerful they don't need to be treated well. Uh, they're not important. They don't know their own value. They don't know their own worth. And when becoming pregnant, even more so, that there's someone else that knows better. There's someone else that should control it, that will control it. There's someone else that will manage it. Uh, that whole, you know, infantilizing childbirth, I think, is really a sad but great phrase. So that's the standard. That's the standard of care. Um, just that we get by. And 
you know, I just had a virtual prenatal uh, not long ago where someone was retelling their birth story that became medicalized. And that really was the theme. Uh, Just you don't know, you don't know, you don't know, and we're going to decide. And that really diminishes a woman's power even more. So many young women are already in a place where they don't know how powerful they are. They've agreed to this standard. And then voila, by going through the birth conveyor belt, they are then further reduced. So it's like this self-fulfilling prophecy that our standard for women and care is so low um, that we resort to extremes. So I guess that's kind of where I wanted to take this next. Uh, We have agreed to a certain extent about the standard. And, you know, I think not everybody does agree, of course. You know, there's many people caught in the system. Many, most women are sort of caught in the system and they don't even know there's a standard to start with. And they don't know that they could be treated better. They don't know they could treat themselves better. They don't know there's better care. They don't know there's another way or that birth could look a certain way or, you know, that they could feel amazing and powerful and own their experience. Like that is so far from the mainstream. They're not even aware. So the standard of birth uh, is just really, really low. (laughs) It's really... um, really a low vibration, you know, so not just the imagery of of this whole bar metaphor, but just like the vibration is low, that we're not valuing life and vitality and energy and like fertility and growth. Um, that is not really what that model is based on. So when this happens, I think extremes come in uh, and that's a reaction, right, to something that's not quite right. Just like anger is a reaction to perhaps not having boundaries. Like there are certain things that happen when a system isn't functioning and it isn't really thriving in a way that's serving humans. And so I've been seeing this again with just emails or in-person people or conversations or whatever, uh, that even women in midwifery care don't have this bar set very high. They have just never realized that it's possible. It's possible to really be supported. It's possible to like be cared for in all of the ways, the physical ways, the emotional ways, and to have a say in it. So that kind of blows my mind in the same way that, as I said, speaking on this podcast in a basic way, blew my mind this past week. Like, oh yeah, Uh, not only do people not know about home birth, But the people that are investigating it don't even know that there are certain ways that they that that can look and that there are choices they would have to make to raise the bar for themselves. So not all home births are created equal. Not all midwives are created equal. There are so many situations, especially in this area, that I get to hear about where it's just mind blowing. Um. Wow. So if that's midwifery care, sort of like this dumbed down model where women still get treated like shit and really these women don't even know what's going on with them. Uh, they don't know why they were told uh, their their blood pressure was high or, you know, they had a certain lab value. They're not given any other information by their home birth midwife and then risked out of care. I just heard one of these stories not an hour ago. Um, I would think that almost wasn't real. 
But the bar is set so low for midwives, really, to perform really any better than doctors. I mean, many don't have any motivation to do that. Or maybe the knowledge and skills. I don't know. But then also the women not requiring more and thinking that that's acceptable. That's acceptable for a home birth midwife when it is not. It's not that people can't have their opinions. So if you have a midwife and she's like, hey, you have high blood pressure. uh, Yeah, maybe there's something to look into there. Maybe there are some conversations, right? It's not just a, oh, and you're done. You have high blood pressure. And so I'm abandoning you. Uh, and, and the poor woman's just like, oh, okay, I guess I'll go to the hospital. Like, where is the standard for care there on the midwife side? And then also for this woman to not say, hey, I deserve better. Like, if you're not going to be my midwife, because, you know, actually you sound pretty dumb anyway, I would love to find another one. And I'm going to go do that. Um, my standard for myself is better than this. And I don't take what you're saying to be true. Wouldn't that be amazing if more women raised their own standard, even with midwives, and said, absolutely not. I will find someone that will work with me, and I know that I'm worth that, rather than, again, the opposite of, oh, it is? Okay, well, I guess I'll do what you're saying. I guess I'll just walk into the hospital or whatever it is. Uh, I guess I'll do this intervention, A, B, or C, because you told me to. Um, instead of demanding better care. And, you know, you can't demand better care from someone that can't give it. So again, it's just raising the bar, realizing there are other options, and inviting them in. And I think that's something that comes up a lot in conversation. With emails we get and people kind of in our world is, you know, but I can't, but I can't just try, (laughs) just try. And sometimes you have to kick your midwife to the curb first to be able to invite in a more resonant option because you are raising the bar for yourself and you are saying to the universe, I am worth more than this. I am worthy. I am healthy. I am strong. Therefore, that will be shown back to you. So I guess in the end, you know, not that there is an end, and this really isn't the end of the conversation. Um, In the end, perhaps raising the bar is something that's really hard for women to do when they don't really believe in themselves. And they don't feel a lot of self-worth, especially in this pregnancy category, which of course you can't really separate from our general selves. But for a moment, you know, just imagine first time mom, uh, maybe she is confident in her body for the most part. Maybe she is connected for the most part. But this is a first pregnancy. As I always say, she doesn't know what she doesn't know, even if she's super smart, even if she's in our 13 moons, right? Like there's all kinds of things you would just not know until you experience them, especially in a first pregnancy. So Uh, It's not to say that a woman like this doesn't feel she's worthy, but she also doesn't know what she doesn't know. And she hasn't connected with that part of herself that knows she's powerful in these circumstances. Remember, the cultural conditioning is there's something about pregnancy and birth that we do not understand and women should not own because how could they possibly know? That's a really heavy belief system to get away from, even if you've hired a midwife. And if I hadn't seen it a million times with my own eyes, uh, that would sound crazy because people are like, oh, well, she hired a home birth midwife. Like, 
you know, she must be connected and, and understand her body. And most of the time, that's not true at all. These women are kind of functioning in the same exact cultural model of the hospital um, and really aren't super connected, many of them. And again, just haven't thought about the fact that they get to raise the bar. They get to set the standard for themselves. So I guess that's a lot of the work that we do, of course, uh, and that other people are doing for sure that really try and show women how powerful they are so they can see the possibilities because that bar is possibility. That's all the bar is. You know, if you don't have a bar, there is no possibility. It's just bleh. It's just you get what you get. It's just we don't control it, which is true to a certain extent, but we do control how we want to feel in our experiences. So if the bar is possibility, we're raising the bar so that we can really, really overwhelm someone with the possibilities that they have. And whether these are internal possibilities of, wow, I didn't know birth could feel like that. I didn't know I could do that. I don't know if it, I didn't know it could look like that. Uh, to, you know, more practical possibilities like, oh, there is a midwife for you. You know, there is a midwife that isn't going to drop your care at 42 weeks just because like, let's think more of ourselves here, women. uh, And let's do it earlier than that, because it is really hard. I know for so many of these women that are dropped from care at a certain point, Um, And they feel really demoralized. It's like, how do I raise the bar? You know, I feel like I was abandoned. So it's starting, I guess, from the beginning, maybe at a much younger age for many of us, where we realize that we are in control to a certain extent um, of our options. And if we don't know any, as they say, we don't have any. So even that is raising the bar. And that's something I've been thinking, how can we urge more women, more doulas, Uh, as well to do this? Like, how can we urge them to raise this bar? Um, You know, without, without being judgmental in a sense, or without trash talking, you know, oh, this midwife does this stuff or whatever. Uh, It's no, it's just encouraging these clients, these women that we work with to want better for themselves. And to show them that they are the ones who run their experiences. It's not the other way around. You don't hire a midwife so you get a certain experience because in that is implied that she is in charge of your experience. So we have to like reframe a lot of these things we've been taught, even in this midwifery model, even in this home birth scheme. And we don't go looking for someone else to do it because it is not theirs to do. So doulas, heads up, I think that's a great conversation starter with any clients or potential clients. Um, Just so much of that, you know, who do you think is in charge of your experience? Who do you want in charge and why? Because women and people, uh, we really do get what we believe. So if we have this insidious belief, even unconsciously, that we are not in charge, that someone else knows better, that is exactly how it will be reflected to us on the outside. So we really have to start from scratch as much as we can. Pregnancy, it's kind of late, but not too late. And if you're working with someone, that's just a great place to start. Uh, There's a different standard to pregnancy care that I want to talk with you about. 
You know, I'm not I'm not attributing this to like a person, place or thing. I'm just wanting to share with you that pregnancy can look like this, that you can have these choices. Um, it sounds ridiculous, right, to say out loud that a person can have a choice. Uh, but again, the bar is so low that we're not even having these conversations. And so many women are winding up in midwifery care uh, in particular. And I guess, you know, there are many other places. So I think the extremes for sure with this kind of bar setting problem are obviously the medical model. I think most people uh, nowadays, many people, not all, would agree that there is a real problem in that system for birth. A real problem. The bar is so low. And then we have kind of an extreme I think, of the free birth um, movement, where there's also an extreme, and the bar is also really low in many cases. Um, And not all, you know, as I've babbled on about for many hours, for many years, uh, there's all kinds of reasons that women make the choices they do. And free birth is one of those that is really um, provoking and very instigating. I think a lot of people with trauma do choose that. And a lot of people without trauma choose that, of course. Uh, But speaking more to this like traumatic involvement in something like an extreme of any kind, whether it's hospital, whether it's free birth, uh, there is a lowering of the bar. Because it is this feeling, this mentality that my options are limited. And how many times have you heard that, right? Uh, Sure, there are the women out there that are like, yeah, my options are limited, but I want a free birth. Like, I'm totally cool with that. And it's kind of a a positive decision. And then I think the more common manifestation of that is like, oh, my options are limited. I just have to do it alone. And again, that's a really low bar to set for yourself. To not think you are worthy or deserving of whatever womanly support um, you're envisioning. So I think it's so easy for that movement to latch on to like the negative midwife, right? All midwives seek to control and destroy. Do not hire a midwife. She will wreck your birth. She will touch you. She will, um, you know, she will abuse you. She will cause trauma. And again, it's like that is part of the problem in birth. Um, Again, just women not raising the bar enough to know that they can be in charge of their experience. But it also, yeah, just takes advantage of the whole situation because it lowers the bar in this weird backwards way and limits options for women. So instead of them being like, oh yeah, well, I'm a creative being. Uh, Here I am making a person. I would love to have you know, this person here or this midwife or this kind of midwife or to the midwife herself, hey, I want you there, but I don't want any of this. You know, I don't want any of these things from you. Um, I had somebody in a prenatal, virtual prenatal not long ago share with me that she found a midwife uh, that is licensed even, I think, right? So there goes all those kind of weird um, categories. Uh, She found someone that sounds like was really going to honor her wishes and I think do singing bowls or something at her labor because that's what she wanted. So go, you creative woman. Uh, You know, you're setting the bar really high for yourself. You're taking a situation that dogmatic beliefs would allow you to believe is impossible, 
right? A licensed midwife, like no way are you going to have her playing singing bowls at your birth and not doing all the interventive stuff. But guess what? Worked out for her because her bar is high and she is a creative person who, you know, probably has done a lot of work on herself and her own growth and her own abilities to manifest and isn't willing to take no for an answer. So that's kind of my, you know, continuing rant with free birth. And um, again, not the outliers, not the women that are like, oh, yeah, cool. This is totally just for me. But the more common, again, manifestation of trauma, where it's just a matter of a low bar. It's just a matter of women not feeling important enough for whatever reason to really demand what they need. And taking this risk, in a sense, of being completely alone, uh, which is not ideal. Like, it's really not. Because if it were, even mammals of all kinds would do that. And we know that that's really not the case. So to be supported, I think, is the bar. The bar is, again, as I said, possibilities but not limiting yourself to these labels. Um, and, you know, I've, I've certainly contributed to label making uh, over the years for the sake of clarity, I think, uh, such as the licensed midwife thing. Don't put anyone in a box. Go see for yourself. Um, don't think that it isn't what you want it to be, if that's really what you want. And don't think that these words are going to dictate your experience. And don't take a word like free birth and think that there isn't dogma around it to sort through. And again, this low bar, this low bar of being okay with not having what you need or being supported in whatever way. Um, you know, you deserve more than that. And who cares what you call it? It's all so silly, uh, which of course is why my last birth was called the time I had a free birth at the hospital because it's all so silly. I demanded internally what was necessary for me to birth my baby. And it wasn't where I thought, and it wasn't how I thought, and it was an amazingly powerful experience where the bar was set really high. And, you know, I'm fairly sure that that hospital, um, not all, because there are many hospitals allowing births like that all of the time, but this particular more rural hospital in Arizona, uh, I'm fairly sure had never seen a birth like that and probably hasn't in the years since. So I set my own bar. I held myself to it. Um, It wasn't something I thought and thought and thought about. It was really an internal knowing and a vibration. So again, call it what you want. uh, Do what you want. Go where you want. Choose what you want. But in the end, you're going to get the vibration you set. So do that by thinking about your options and realizing that you're in charge of that, that the bar is not set for you in birth. And I think that's kind of, you know, the last little mini lecture point. Um, So many women feeling like, oh, well, I can't do that there or this can't happen here or um, I can't call it a free birth because blah. Uh, No, you do whatever you want. You create whatever you want. You call it whatever you want. And again, Um, You are in charge of setting this bar. And what an amazing world, what an amazing world we will build for our daughters, for our granddaughters, when women truly realize, not just like half, like truly embody this idea that they are worthy and that they can have anything they want. 
um, as far as like feeling. Again, I don't think we control every aspect of life or our experience. I think that's playing God and not something I'm willing to do. Uh, But we do have an immense creative capacity. And we don't have to choose these extremes just to feel like we can get under, you know, just to feel like we can fit in. It's not even worth it. Um, Setting the bar is maybe an analogy that we could just throw out altogether, right? Because I don't know, maybe it's not even needed. Um, Maybe there doesn't need to be a standard because every woman is so confident in her own abilities and birth and the process and her support that she knows it'll happen just as it's meant to happen. And it's not a comparison of like, oh, well, it wasn't this and it wasn't that and it wasn't like a hospital birth and it wasn't a free birth. Uh, It's just her. It's just her birth. It's just her beautiful experience that hopefully uh, will lead her to so much more power in her life. That's my wish, of course, for every woman out there, no matter what you choose, that you know you have options, uh, that none of them are villainized per se, because you're setting the bar of experience and potential and possibility. And who knows what will come? That's kind of the exciting thing about birth. And yes, it's kind of an unnerving thing about birth, but that's the truth, right? There's the mystery. There's the mystery of we don't quite know what we will get, but we can just be in it and feel it. All right. Well, that turned out to be a longer blab. I don't know really what that means to anybody else out there, but it felt good to kind of get out and synthesize some of my experiences as of late. Uh, As usual, I hope you have a beautiful week and I will try to get back on the regular weekly podcast train. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening.